I'm a car guy through and through. I've worked on cars since I was very young. We had a grove full of them. I learned very young about engines and carburetors, timing, testing for spark and making sure there was gas in it before I told dad it wasn't running. I bought my first new car right after I got married in 2004. There was a car sale at the fairgrounds where all the dealers got together and made one crazy sale. My old black uh, Dodge Dakota with the five speed and a 318 was only two wheel drive. Kristen came in with the 95 Dodge Neon. So fair enough. That was front wheel drive. But she was working nights and weekends at the hospital, so I wanted to make sure she had something reliable. So we bought a new Dodge Dakota uh, with the four doors and everything. It even had four-wheel drive. Even growing up, we didn't get new cars all the time, and this was a treat, and I'm still hooked on cars. Today, I'm going to do a review of the Rivian R1S. It's Monday, October 17th, and this is The Brew House. This will probably be a multi-part series. I may do an update episode at the one-year mark of owning the Rivian, but I really want to get out there now so that anyone that's getting a Rivian can kind of know what to expect. But if you've driven a Tesla, Rivian really is quite different in some ways, but it's similar in others. It's a mixed bag. I started my electric journey in something like 2016 or maybe just before. I pre-ordered a Tesla Model 3 all-wheel drive before it was even out. I knew I wanted to do this electrical thing. I have solar panels at my house, so I was like, free charging, booyah. So I got the call. It was like late fall 2017 that I could pick my Tesla up in Minneapolis. So Kristen and I rented a one-way, drove up there almost four hours, and after sitting there for seemingly what felt like forever, we finally got to go back and see the car. And when I walked out, I was horrified. The guy next to us, his car looked like It was waving at me. And the worst thing, the car was delivered that way. Totally messed up. This was back when Tesla was trying to make a push for uh, delivering a bunch of cars in the last quarter. Luckily, my car had one blemish, but it was barely noticeable. And the fact I live on gravel only means that it's going to get worse. The car was acceptable. We did the paperwork and we were on the road. Well, sort of. The car came with like 90 miles of charge on it, so we needed to plug it in. Luckily, the hotel garage had a spot to charge, and I charged it up for the ride home the next day and for the next day, and it was awesome. We tried out autopilot. We got to see the crazy acceleration. I uh, had to get used to only having the gauges in the middle of the car, but oh well, it was fine. And the car was great until I got rid of it with Rivian. Here's my experience. This is about two years in the making. When Rivian announced the R1S, I jumped on the $1,000 down. I wanted a car that could fit our family of five. About a week before the car was delivered, I got a notice saying that my car was in production and I needed to fill out the paperwork like insurance, names, payment, etc. It was kind of nice that I could just kind of do this on my own time and online. Then, about a week later, I got an email saying, your vehicle is scheduled for delivery tomorrow. Say what now? I hadn't even made the payment, got the insurance or anything, so I panicked. And I went on the chat, waited 45 minutes to speak to somebody. And when I did, they said I should speak to my guide. And I was like, what the hell is a guide? So he gave me the contact info for my guide. And he did exactly what was in his title. He guided me. They used played to pay for the car. So I was able to do all of it that day. And the car really was delivered the next day. 
The driver of the flatbed told me that this was his first R1S delivery, so I thought that was really cool. I have vehicle number 712, so it's not the first one, but it's still less than uh, than one than 1,000. He unloaded the R1S. I had checked online, and I wanted to do self-guided, but I think the driver really, really, really likes showing these things off, so I didn't mind someone that's excited about a product. It's always fun to talk to somebody when they're excited about a product and when you're excited about a product. So he walked me through getting the keys set up. And this is really the first thing that I like about the car. It comes with five ways to drive it right out of the box. You get two wallet cards, an arm bracelet, a physical key, and of course your phone. I thought the arm bracelet was a nice touch. Rivian really touts an outdoor lifestyle with the R1S and it shows in the car. He was there for about 30 minutes showing me stuff. Oh, and on a side note, if uh, more than one person is gonna be there be on the title, make sure that they're there. You can do almost everything online, but there are a few documents that um, they require you to sign uh, there. It's always fun to talk about infotainment, but I'm gonna start with the outside of the vehicle and the drivetrain. I got the green launch edition. First thing uh, is the towing. I did tow with it, it works well. It did burn 50 miles for a 30 mile trip, all I was towing was an empty jet ski trailer, so that was disappointing. But it does have a 7-pin adapter, which is nice, so trailer brakes work and all that. And they're configurable on the dash. The receiver is a little recessed, but it did work well. The car body itself is fairly square, and the roof is clear, even over the third row. It's not really glass, but it's not really plastic. I don't know how to describe it, but it's nice, and it's tinted, so the sun doesn't bother. The frunk makes up for all the space you're missing in the rear of the car, but there is some room there as well, about a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper long. For me, it's ample space. The lights are bright, and it's neat that when your car is charged to the set point, the lights turn green. I do find auto high beams annoying, and I haven't figured out how to turn it off yet. But one of the other features, and I'm saying that with air quotes, are the car door handles. When the car is locked, the door handles sit flush with the car. When unlocked, either by phone, proximity, or another method, the four-door handles pop out. Why on God's green earth can we not get an electric car with standard handles? The Tesla made you push, push them on a weird way to open them, and they kind of pop out, and then a little dust would get in there, and then they'd never close right again. It's not, and let's not forget Iowa winters. You would think a vehicle designed for adventure wouldn't want to make door handles pop out that are frozen down. I get that they're probably heated, but ugh, on the door handles. The standard tires are Pirelli, and not surprisingly, they aren't an, a super aggressive tread. The brake rotors are definitely bright yellow and stick out like a sore thumb, but not in a bad way. You definitely see them, though. The rear hatch is a two-way open, meaning the glass opens up and there's a tailgate that opens down. It's nice if you want to sit on it. The glass and the frunk are motorized open and motorized closed, so no manual close. The charge port is on the front driver's side and has both options for AC and DC charging. The port is accessed via the app, the infotainment center, or the button on the wheel well trim. Uh, more on car wash mode later. The charger is a standard J1772, and at my house it charges at about 16 miles an hour, a little slower than the Tesla that would do roughly 25 miles per hour. This basically covers the outside of the car. The interior is simple, but well done. All the back seats can fold down perfectly flat to make it so you could sleep back there if you wanted to. The car also has campsite, campsite mode. In this mode, the car uses its airbags to level it out as much as possible. 
More on the airbags later. The seats, uh, while they go down easy, are a little more of a gymnastics move to get them back up. The far back compartment has one 110-volt outlet and a standard round car charger, or what I would call in the old days cigarette, cigarette lighter style outlet. It also has access to an air compressor. While I haven't used this myself, it does go to 150 PSI, so I would say it'd be functional to use. USB-C chargers are everywhere in the back, so just know it's all USB-C, but you can definitely find a spot to charge. All right, to the infotainment system. Compared to Tesla, it's not much. It comes out of the box with FM only, which I find an interesting choice, because if it truly was an adventure vehicle that's meant to go off the beaten path, I would have thought adding an AM radio would be a must. It also has TuneIn, Spotify, and Bluetooth. I use TuneIn in the Tesla religiously, but I find TuneIn, the TuneIn interface in the Rivian to be not intuitive, and the podcasts don't seem to update very often, so I've been mostly using Bluetooth. The car has a wireless phone charger on the center console, but it's slippery, so unless you're driving straight, your phone will slide off. I also find the Bluetooth reception to the infotainment device to be lackluster. Sometimes my audio cuts out. It never did that in the Tesla, so I'm sure it's a Bluetooth in the, the Bluetooth in the Rivian. It is nice there are two screens, one in front of the driver and one in the center. It's great to be able to look forward instead of to the right to get my speed. There are maps on, on there as well. The infotainment center... It really is the centerpiece of the car. Everything is run through there. For example, you can switch between different modes of driving. I generally drive in conserve mode. That's the mode that lets you get 311 miles on a full charge. If you jump into sport mode, hold on to your hat. This car is quick. So quick, I feel sick when I uh, put, the, put it to the floor. There's all-purpose mode, towing mode, and off-road mode. Inside these, you can set other specifics like ride height, uh, which is done through the airbags. It allows you to raise and lower the car based on what you're doing. The car will also lower itself when driving long distances to become more aerodynamic. I have mostly uh, stuck to conserve mode. It's still fast, just more reasonable. The regenerative feature is the one I do not like. In the Tesla, you could do high, medium, low, off. In the Rivian, except in off-road mode, you can get high or standard. And standard still really pulls hard. I really hope they come up... I really hope that in the winter it can detect the temperature and shut off regen because sliding on ice sounds like no fun to me. And also, I just you know finished a, a long couple of years of teaching my son, or one year of teaching my son how to drive, and the Tesla was one of the cars that he learned on. And I shut off regen mode in the Tesla on his profile because I wanted to make sure he could feel a full roll forward. So I'm not a super fan that you can't shut the regen off on the Rivian. The car comes default with a lot of safety features shut off, like lane position warning. I turned all that on to see what it was like, and boy is it picky. And it's really ready to fight you. I needed to swerve to miss a dead skunk, and the system fought me the whole way. The maps are lackluster. I think maybe they use open maps or something. They're bad, which is sad. With so many good options out there, I'm not sure why Rivian picked these maps. I want to talk specifically about charging, because this is the question I get the most. How long does it take to charge your car? And people hate it when I answer, it depends. See, with Tesla, you could get 250 watt, kilowatt superchargers, and I can get an acceptable charge in about 20 minutes. Most other car networks do 6.6 kilowatt to 100 kilowatt. There are some that do more, but in many areas, this is what I have found. I do hope Tesla opens their charging network. 
the delivery driver told me to make sure that uh, when I went to the wash to turn on car wash mode, he said the wheels will lock up and weird things will happen if I don't have it in, in wash mode. So I washed it with a just a regular pressure washer and I didn't turn that mode on. And sure enough, the charge door kept opening. Super annoying. So yeah, car wash mode is there for a reason. I was going to make a comment about how one of the fixes in the Rivian manual is if something goes wrong to reboot the whole system. But as I was writing this episode, I got a call from a friend of mine having a problem with her Model X, and she had to do a full system reboot. So I guess that goes with the territory. Be ready for the word unavailable. I tried to use Driver Plus, which is their like um, version of autopilot. I tried um, one time the radio said to me, uh, unavailable. One times it told me high beams were unavailable. So I'm assuming, you know, with any of this, just like the Tesla's, the, the, the software will change in the future and we'll get better stuff as we go forward. And like driver plus will start to work the, all of that. So just be forewarned, especially if you live in an area like I do, I tried it on a four lane road and I tried it on our side, two lane roads. I'm assuming the driver plus only works on uh, interstates, but I don't know that for sure. I really think that this is all I can think about on the car so far. Generally, I'm happy with it, and I'm looking forward to driving it more, and it really does scratch my car guy itch. If you do have any questions about the car, you can find me on Twitter, at BrewHouseUSA. That's uh, B-R-E-W-H-A-U-S-U-S-A. Have a great Monday.